Welcome to the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, we're talking about Reddit and the open web. Kevin, great to see you. Great to see you, Eli. What happened this week? It's summer vacation. So I have this thing that when my kids are off of school, I don't work as much because a couple of years ago, actually, I think it was before COVID, my kids were going to the beach and I was doing Zoom calls even before COVID. And I thought about it. I'm like, I do Zoom calls so I could work and then go to the beach, but that didn't seem fair. I should just not do Zoom calls. I should go to the beach with them. So it's been like this thing for the last few years. I'm really fortunate that I can be a consultant and work for myself. Well, I work for my clients, but I, I work for myself too. I don't have to take PTO and I can just organize my schedule that I can have fun. And today I'm going to go to an amusement park because I can. And you know, I'm really, really appreciative that my career is that. And I'm fortunate that I don't have to go to an office and then we're going to do an episode soon about going to an office. And I don't have to go to an office and just sit there and put in eight hours of stuff just because I have to. But you, Kevin, what happened to you cool this week? Yeah, you, you sound like a real European, Eli. Somebody who is always on vacation. All right, it's so let's, funny. Let's hear your European become American. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what even is a vacation? I'm not, that's, that sounds very, sounds like something only weak people would do. Well, isn't that what, so European vacation is, is basically like a day off, but a holiday is six weeks off? <laughs> basically, they always have a holiday. And it's funny because I know a couple of people who moved from the US to, to Europe and they're constantly frustrated with their coworkers all of a sudden, like being out on a bank holiday or some sort of vacation. Yeah, make of that what you want, but you sound very European right now. That's fine with me. I'm going to go to Europe and be European. <laughs> Maybe. So this week, I sent out an email to discover my zone of genius. So I think I spoke about this concept before a couple of times, but there's this idea that everybody has a zone of genius, which is something that they're world-class at, like a skill. There are other zones as well. There's a zone of competence, incompetence, and greatness. Too many people spend time in their zone of greatness or competence, but not enough time in their zone of genius. And the whole idea and the concept is you really want to maximize the time you spend in your zone of genius so that you can be, you can really focus on what you're good at and everything else to delegate or you don't do. You were one of the recipients of that email. The way you do it is... You basically, you want to identify 30 to 40 people who know you. Could be friends, colleagues, family, people you work with, whatever. You want to ask them a series of questions. It's questions like, what am I doing or talking about when you experience me the most energized and happy? Or what do you see as a special skill I'm gifted with? So there are these six questions that can help you identify your zone of genius. I'm still waiting for some of the answers, but the crazy thing is you can very quickly spot patterns across all the answers, even though you get answers from people from all walks of life, right? It doesn't always have to be work colleague. There is a book called Zone of Genius, and there is also there's free guides online. One really cool one that we're going to link to in the show notes is from Sue Heilbronner. There's another one from the Conscious Leadership Team. So I can strongly recommend if you're interested in, in understanding what you do world-class or what are you one of the best at, you want to send out this Zone of Genius email and uh, see what cool things people have to say about you. Love it. And I, I loved your email. It was really detailed. made me think about you. Very too detailed. Uh, perfect. I take it as a compliment. <laughs> Absolutely. Always a compliment. <laughs> There's probably no good bridge from here to Reddit, but I don't know, maybe friends, family, community, you, you'll find one. Let's talk about Reddit. It's, it's hilarious. Let's talk about Reddit. Well, what is, you have to describe Reddit. How would you describe Reddit? I would describe Reddit as the biggest online forum in the world. I would just say it's humanity, it's democracy, it's just like everything goes. 
And it's way too it, deep. Yeah, it, it is. But it, it, I think it helps us get into the meat of what we're going to talk about. But it is essentially a place where anyone can post anything. And it ranges from things that are extremely religious because they're religious communities on Reddit to extremely violent and disgusting and illegal. There's terrorism there. There's the worst kind of pornography there. At the same time, you have all sorts of other groups and communities organized. And I think it's a free-for-all. It was created to be a free-for-all and it still is a free-for-all, which gets us into the heart of the discussion. So why don't you tell us what's been happening with Reddit of late? What's been happening with Reddit of late? So there's a whole string of events that you need to understand. From a marketing perspective, it's really about communities and the question of what is the value of these kind of open communities for the web? What does their demise or the struggles mean for the open web? But let's start at the beginning. Reddit is one of the largest websites in the US. I think it's, uh, it ranks number 12 right now. It's the 10th biggest social network, which doesn't sound so impressive, but it's actually pretty impressive. They have over 400 million monthly active users and over 50 million daily active users. That's actually pretty good. So it's very engaged. Reddit users spend tons of time on the website and the platform is so popular and some of the content is so good that there has been a trend over the last couple of years of searchers on Google appending the word Reddit to their question to get answers from Reddit instead of websites. This has become so popular that Google actually now surfaces Reddit content specifically even when users don't append the word Reddit. Also, they surface Quora, which I think is a mistake because anyway, so that's kind of the, the base setting, right? Reddit, super popular. A couple of weeks ago, the leadership of Reddit has decided to tremendously increase the pricing for its API, which led a lot of subreddits, which are little communities on Reddit, to protest and go quote-unquote dark as a result. And dark basically means they, they turned their communities into NSFW, so not safe for work type of communities, even though they don't have that type of content, just to protest and not be discoverable anymore from non-logged-in <laughs> users. So it's a, it's a problem for Reddit. And the reason that the, you know, so there's a couple of things to understand here. Number one, the API price increase is basically the result of AI. All of these AI models, these big large language models, they all have a huge training component on Reddit, right? Reddit content was basically used to train generative AI, but Reddit captures none of that value, right? Their APIs are super cheap. Now they're basically saying like, hey, you know, companies like OpenAI built $100 billion businesses on our content. We want a piece of that pie. However, they have also rolled out these changes very rapidly, they basically gave the users of the API 30 days to accept that change. And on the other hand, there's a whole slew of API users who try to make the Reddit experience better and use the API for that. There's, for example, a very popular mobile app called Apollo that provides a really good user experience of Reddit on your smartphone, which usually isn't that good. And actually, Apollo just shut down. Their statement was, we cannot Accommodate this pricing change without significantly increase our own price, and that's not a viable business model, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole back and forth. There's different sides, but lots of Reddit communities decided to go dark as a result. There's also the pressure on Reddit because they want to go public this year with a $15 billion valuation, which now looks like they're not going to actually meet that. It kind of also goes back to this whole relationship between Reddit leadership and their the subreddit moderators. So 
A lot to unpack here, lots of back and forth. Eli, what do you think about what's going on at Reddit? Do you think they have a chance to survive or are they basically going up in flames? They're going up in flames, but let me tell a story. So I told this, the, a little bit of this story in our, our episode about big tech bands, and we should link to that in the show notes. Way back when I worked at a startup, I was doing SEO, but my job was all marketing and I had to drive traffic. I stumbled upon, well, actually stumbled upon, stumble upon. I don't think that one's around anymore. I had a, I, I had a top stumble upon account and I created a lot of traffic from that. I would get like something popular and stumble upon. For, for those that were, were born after 2000, stumble upon was a website that even, I guess in the early days, of the internet, you didn't like Google stuff. So you wanted content fed to you. So you had a, a plugin on your Firefox that you stumbled upon websites. You're bored. You just like click stumble. It's like, I guess it's like a version of scrolling through your Instagram feed. So instead you just click stumble and you're like, oh, that's a cool website. So like if you became popular in StumbleUpon, you got a lot of traffic. So I did have a, a premium account on StumbleUpon. Then I discovered Dig. So again, for anybody born after 2000, you got to go to Wikipedia and figure out what, what, what Dig is. And that gets to the heart of the story of why I think Reddit's going to fail. So I was on Dig. I figured out how to become one of the most popular submitters on Dig. So I was in the top 50 submitters on Dig. And I was driving tons of traffic. I was hitting the Dig front page. So again, Dig, going to describe it to people that born after 2000. You didn't go to Google. You, you needed your content fed to you. Sort of like the Reddit homepage, but there was only like 10 URLs. So if you hit popular on that, you got insane amounts of traffic. Again, insane amounts of traffic. Prior inflation was like 10,000 visits. Now that we have inflation, the insane amount of traffic one day might be like a million visits. We get a lot of traffic. So I was doing this every single day, hitting the homepage of Dig one to two times a day. It was very democratized. The same idea as what, what Reddit is today or Reddit is sort of today. And you had these, these people that would control the homepage because they had their networks of other people that would dig things. Dig was a vote after they submitted it. And then from there, it would get enough votes. It would have enough velocity and it would hit the homepage of Dig. Dig didn't like that. Dig wanted to be a big company. If you look at their Wikipedia page in July of 2008, Dig was talking to Google about being bought for $200 million. Dig wanted to be even bigger. And they didn't like that there was so much power in the hands of their power, their premium submitters. So they decided to end run them. Again, similar to what Reddit's doing. So they decided to end run them and do make a new Dig. So I remember, I forget what year it was, Dig invited their top submitters or they, the power users on Dig, they invited them to San Francisco to see the new Dig that they were going to unveil. And the top person on Dig, called them Diggers, top person on Dig was a person named Mr. Babyman. You can Google, he's got his own Wikipedia page, Mr. Babyman, and he has a, a Reddit AMA on, on being Mr. Babyman. So I went to meet him in San Francisco. I, I was surprised because he was an Iraq war veteran, but from 1991, like the first Iraq war. So I was expecting a, I don't know if we called them millennials back then, but I was expecting someone younger and he was in his late forties, fifties, and he was a top submitter on Dig, spent hours a day on Dig. And they hadn't been invited to San Francisco, him and a couple other people. And they told Dig in no uncertain terms that what they were going to do was going to destroy Dig. What Dig wanted to do was again, end run all their power users. They wanted to have all the websites automatically submit content for Dig and it'd be more democratized. And they did it and it failed because they, now they took away all the power from their power submitters who really controlled the experience. They were the, so it was an 80-20 rule, 80% of the content came from 20% of the people. And if you look at the Wikipedia page now, fascinating story. So they, I think they launched it in 2012. Maybe, oh, they launched in 2010 was their controversial redesign. 
In 2012, Dig was sold for $500,000. So in 2008, they were worth, uh, Google was talking about buying them for 500 million, 200 million, and they were sold for $500,000 in 2012. They completely destroyed Dig by getting rid of their power users. So now what's the parallel to Reddit? So first of all, Reddit came out of that. After Dig died, I did go onto Reddit and I've had few accounts on Reddit, like a combined hundred something thousand karma. Again, I used the same thing I did on Dig and was able to do that on Reddit. And by the way, the skill that you need to be successful on Reddit is copywriting. So all the stuff I do on, on LinkedIn right now comes from that skill of copywriting, just figure out what will go viral. One of the best things I ever learned is copywriting. We've talked about that before in episodes. So now I think Reddit is doing the exact same thing. The power is in the hands of the few on Reddit. Those are the moderators. They can control everything. And I, that's a big problem for Reddit because now those moderators are protesting and showing how much power they have. Reddit, the API piece aside, Reddit is trying to destroy the power they have because as a public company, that's a huge risk. How would you invest in something that's really not controlled by the executives? It's controlled by users, controlled by free users who volunteer to, to give up their time. And now we see the power. And I do think the IPO is dead. And I do think if Reddit doesn't back down, they will destroy the entire company because that's what the company is. It was created out of, the, out of this democracy. It was created out of, there are people that spend, like you had those numbers before, they spend hours a day on Reddit and if they are pissed off, they are not going to spend hours a day on Reddit and they are the product. I mean, I do tons of searches. I'm planning a trip. I'm going to Reddit to learn people's experiences and people freely write those experiences more than they write on TripAdvisor, more than they write on Twitter, more than they write anywhere else. But if Reddit makes that a bad place to do that, you will go away. Now, you mentioned Quora. Quora never really figured out a lot of things, but it's not as easy to use Quora as it is to use Reddit. And Reddit is making it more difficult to use. And I think that they bit off way more than they can chew. And we'll see what happens. Again, Dig is a great parallel and scary story for Reddit. Because Dig wanted to get rid of the users. But the users were the platform. And Reddit is the same thing. So that, that's where I come from on this. Like API numbers aside, dollars and cents. I think the, the power is in the hands of those moderators. And that's it. That's what the product is. What do you think? Are you, do you use Reddit? I use Reddit. I used to be a mod when I was working at Digimotion a long time ago. I think I still have admin access, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't a bit of, big of a community. First of all, you're right that the IPO might be dead in the water. Actually, just a day ago, Fidelity Financial announced that they lowered their valuation of Reddit by over 40%. So I think they're now at not even $10 billion valuation anymore. I think there's a couple of takeaways for everybody else, right? I mean, there's the, the Reddit thing in itself, but then there's a question, okay, what can we learn from that? What about other companies? The interesting bridge that I want to that I want to build here is that one of the hottest trends lately has been community-led growth. There are companies like Notion or Figma or, or Miro who lean on communities to spread the word and drive user adoption and content creation. And I think the takeaway here is that Number one, you want to stay in control of that community. I mean, Reddit, in part of why it's successful is because it has these moderators who are not paid, by the way, who do all this for free and kind of out of passion and for the honor, if you will. And as you said, these moderators are basically the CEOs of subreddits. I think for a company whose, whose goal is not just to become a platform, but who's who's, who has an actual product, I think you want, to, you want to really stay on top of where the community goes, who the power users are, what's allowed and what's not allowed, right? So management and moderation is absolutely critical. And you don't want to outsource moderation to other people. You want an in-house moderation. I think that's one of the key takeaways here. 
But two, at the same time, communities can be incredibly powerful for uh, user adoption, especially when there's a low barrier to entry to use the actual product, right? Especially for software products that, are, that have a freemium tier or that, that are not expensive to sign up for and that have a collaborative aspect, right? You're, you're wearing a software shirt right now. Quick disclosure, we're, we're both angel investors in software. It's basically a product that allows you to build websites out of uh, Google Sheets or Airtable databases. And that is another example for a very community-prone product. And again, the key here is to in-house moderation, set clear boundaries and guidelines. But at the same time, of course, work closely with your main champions and ambassadors because all communities have this power principle or power law where a small amount of users create the most value and most content. That's where I, we have to disagree, Contrarian Marketing Podcast. I actually don't think Reddit is a product. I think Reddit is a place for, there's very little product in Reddit. The messaging platform is terrible. Like people go off the messaging into other platforms. They'll tell you how to contact them on Twitter or contact them on Instagram or real contact with an email address or phone number. They move directly off that. So the, I don't think Reddit is a product. It's just a place that aggregates people. And I think if Reddit wanted to get into moderation themselves, then they accept the responsibility for all the horrible things that happen on Reddit. And they've never had to. There's all the, the doxing where they reveal people's names, accuse them of crimes, do things like that. Reddit's not responsible because it's a community. Reddit's not responsible for any of those terrible things that happen because it's not them. But if they start pulling back on the community and they control the community, that's where they get into a lot of trouble. Again, awful things that happen on Reddit and Reddit can just say, These, this is what the community did. There are so many duplicative subreddits where just communities people made. You can make a subreddit around anything. And I don't think Reddit should step in that. If they do step in that, they ruin what Reddit is. So I don't think as much of a product as it is a home. And if they destroy the home, that moves away. The same thing that happened to Dig will 100% happen to Reddit if they chase away the users because the users are the product. And I think Reddit overestimated their own power. They're just a website. They're just a web address. Look what's happening to Instagram with TikTok. Instagram and Meta thought they owned the users. They didn't. Users own the users and the users can go wherever they want. So does TikTok have staying power? They do if they make it a great place for people to stay. And we've talked about this before. Does Reddit have staying power? As it is right now, it has staying power. But if they change that, they'll discover how fickle people are. The same conversations that happen on Reddit could happen on Twitter. Again, and look what's happening with Twitter. So you, but I think Twitter's so much more of a product. There's a, there's, you know, there's tools on Twitter. There's advertising. I don't know if you've ever tried advertising on Reddit, but it's awful. So there's advertising tools on Twitter. It's so much more of a product. And that's why it can be a public company. And as a public company, I would struggle to invest in Reddit because Reddit could disappear overnight because the power is in the hands of users who aren't paid. I think you're making actually a strong statement for my point, which is, of course, disagree. I disagree. With... Totally disagree. No. <laughs> what, what, say your point. Fine. I'll listen. <laughs> my, my point is that it is, it is exactly about this question of what's the product here. There are different avenues for Reddit and Reddit is basically at a fork in the road now. One avenue leads towards Wikipedia. Right, where it's an open platform, either Reddit gets acquired by another company. Some people said Google should buy them, which I actually think is not the most stupid idea, but probably not go through regulation or, or the SEC. And the other fork on the road goes... No, it's a massive risk. If Google buys it, they don't want to own this, this terrorism and the pornography. That's a, that's a huge risk. Yeah, that's, 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 you know, that's a product decision that you, can, that you can handle. Reddit tries to stay independent, but they probably 
should not. I don't think you can stay independent in this and they should probably should take ownership. Anyway, we, we just actually spoke about that uh, in a different episode that we'll link to the show notes as well if, you want, if you're curious about our stance on should you moderate as a, as a content platform or not. But the other avenue that is not Wikipedia for Reddit is exactly the idea of users are the product, which is more like a Facebook more like a social network, right? For which they need a strong ad platform, which to your point, they don't really have today. There's this third new model that just opens up this new business model enabled and empowered by AI, which is to basically provide the content through the API and make money. And I think that exactly this is the thought process of the of the leadership at Reddit. They're thinking about what actually is the product here. They make a call to decide that it is the content and they don't want to like they have tried advertising and it doesn't really work, right? The numbers are not very impressive. They don't want to become a Wikipedia where they they sell the company or they they, they rely on donations, which I think is probably not going to work. So the, the only option that they have right now is to sell the content through the API and make that really expensive because there's so much to be gained. Leadership made some horrible mistakes in how they responded to the community, right? Which brings us back to the takeaways for everyone else here. If you have these super autonomous people who govern your your community the benefit is you don't need to invest as much in it but the downside is if you break the relationship and the trust with these moderators then your community goes up in flames so you want to in-house that and not outsource that and, and rely on other people to manage it and i think reddit like the only way for them forward is to basically is, is to negotiate with the moderators but not to steer away from the path I think the API, selling the, the data or the content through API is the right business model for Reddit. But I don't think the way that they go about it and anger their moderators and community, I don't think that's going to help them necessarily. So that's where I kind of disagree with you, but agree it with some points, if that makes sense. Yeah. So before you have to solidify positions here, Eli says, keep things as they are. They bit off more than they could chew. What's yours? Handshake with the community, but make the product, the content and sell it through an API. I agree with you on make the product, improve the product, because the product sort of hasn't changed in 20 years, wherever long Reddit's been around. But it definitely improved the product before they try to take power from there. So yeah. we sort of agree and disagree. Well, let's wrap up here. I have a, I have a, a cool community power thing. So I, I've heard for a long time, well, ever since Elon Musk took over Twitter, like how cheap Twitter ads are. So I'm not going to go into detail on what I did this for and who I did it on, but I was trying to get the attention of a company where I was having a customer service issue, they were ignoring me. So rather than post something on Twitter and wait for the community, the social community or the social manager, social media manager to respond to me and say, please respond with your ticket number and direct message. And we'll get on this right away. I did post something on Twitter and then I went on Twitter ads and I created an ad campaign again. Yeah, I'm not going to share all the details, but reach out if you want more. I created a Twitter ad campaign for just that tweet. Oh, and you do need to have a, a verified Twitter profile, which I'm paying $8 a month for in order to run the advertising campaign. I'm running an advertising campaign, and I, I just looked at my ads right now. I have on this one ad, I have 35. So it's a, an ad, but it's a tweet. So no one knows that it, the company does not know it's an ad. Only the people who see the ad know it's an ad. The tweet itself has 35,000 impressions. So that is definitely going to piss off someone at the social media team. And I spent 30 cents. This is, while Twitter is in its doldrums, this is a great way to get the attention of someone. Again, from the outside, it's going to look like this tweet is incredibly popular, but it cost me 30 cents. Well, the good thing is that advertising on Twitter right now is super cheap because nobody wants to advertise on Twitter because it's a little bit of a dumpster fire. 
yeah, sometimes, you know, you got to be proactive and you got to make some noise to make things happen. It always bugs me that I have to first post on Twitter and leverage my audience sometimes to criticize really bad customer service. And then somebody reaches out and it's like, oh, yeah, just DM us and we'll take care of it. But to also make kind of the counter example, my Bank of America account recently got hacked and somebody took over $2,000 away from it. it. Took me three months to recognize it because they played this typical game where they first withdraw small sums and then bigger ones. At some point, I was like, wait, that's not, I didn't do that. And I have to say, within a day, Bank of America closed the account, refunded me the money, and basically helped me transfer everything to a new account. So I do want to give a positive shout out here to Bank of America for being the counterexample of providing actually good customer service while so many other platforms are poor. And to counter counter your example, my social security number got stolen and Bank of America allowed someone to create four accounts with my social security number. And I only know about that because whoever it is decided to use my email address to create those accounts. So I did know they existed. And I've had a Bank of America account for 25 years and they should know my real address and they should know everything. And what they did with these accounts was they ran a Zelle scam. So they, I don't know where they got the money, but they would run the scam and then they'd quickly withdraw the money. And because somehow Bank of America messed up on the back end, I actually got the text messages saying, are you trying to use Google Pay to like have an ATM in Brooklyn? And I'm like, no. And they still let them withdraw the money. So bad shout out to Bank of America. I had to go through like the CFPB file complaints of which Bank of America said, we comply with all rules around know your customer. Like you don't know your customer if you allow people to create accounts with fake addresses. And real social security numbers. Oh, they also use a fake name to create the account. But this is my real social security number and a fake address. So Kevin likes Bank of America. Eli's not a fan. And the lesson here is don't use Androids. That's probably why how it happens. <laughs> Always. Oh. <laughs> Eli, that's a wrap, man. Thanks again for being a good thought partner. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways, and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.